0: Hello and welcome
1: to the Rushmore County Show, presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio of Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM at a.m. 716, Hawaii. It's Friday. I can only mean one thing. It's
2: Andy Bernstein, Legends of Sport Friday. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm great, Rush. I'm great. Legends of Sport Friday is rocking on, man, right into June. I love it. Going
1: into the summer, it's uh, one of our favorite times of the year. You get the NBA Finals, Miami Heat, the Denver Nuggets, you had the Stanley Cup Final, Vegas Golden Knights, and the Florida Panthers. Mm. Speaking of the Heat, though, uh, one of my, my all-time favorite players, which is really saying something because he was only with the Lakers for one season, but uh, he was with the Heat, and he was part of that big Shaquille trade. But when you talk about guys with an amazing, fascinating life story, Quran mm. Butler, you had a chance to talk with him in the bu- bu- bubble uh, or, you know, during that year in 2020. One of the, I mean, again, great player, tough juice, one of our favorites. What an amazing story. Talk about the conversation you had with Quran Butler.
2: Well, I had always been a great um, admirer of Quran without really knowing his story, quite frankly. He's one of those hard-nosed, like sort of, you know, take it on the chin but keep moving forward type of guys, you know. And of course, I photographed him in his various, uh, you know, different uniforms. Um, you know, starting with Washington, and then and he came to the Lakers, of course, and the Clippers, and and a few different teams. But um, what fascinated me first and foremost about Karam was his relationship with Kobe.
1: Yeah,
2: and how Kobe really called Karan like his favorite teammate. I mean, um, you know, they only played together one year and he was so, it was such an impact on Kobe's sort of work ethic, um, which was amazing to begin with, but just Kobe, you know, Karan leads by example and we can see that as an assistant coach for the heat. Um, and then I got my hands on his book, tough juice. And, I have to tell you, you and I have talked about various authors, and they've all been great in their own way, but being a first-person narrative of his incredibly resilient life, um, I, I was blown away by the book. I really wow. was, and I, I reached out to Karan, and we've been friends since since he retired, and uh, I said, look, man, i got to talk to you about the book on my podcast. And he was so gracious. He was wonderful. And uh, I recommend the book, Tough Juice, T-U-F-F, Juice, yeah. anybody who is looking for an inspirational story of, of somebody who really fought his way out of some really tough, a really tough circumstance in, in life. And it's a great life lesson. That is one of my favorite fun facts about
1: Quran is that, again, he and Kobe only teamed up for one season. I don't, I'm pretty sure that they did not make the postseason that year. But when you talk to Kobe about his favorite teammates, And again, Mm -hmm. there was always a respect. I mean, Kobe worked so hard. So when he saw someone who worked just as hard as he did, that, I mean, he he connected with them. Uh, When you talk to Karan, or perhaps even Kobe, how did that
2: connection build? Oh, that's a good question. There's a story, and I'm not remembering it. But when they first got together on the Lakers, um, but like you said, Arash, so so eloquently, Kobe respected anybody who worked as hard, or even harder. Yeah. <laughs> there were that many people. Right, exactly, and they were they were inspiring to him. Um, you know, Karan uh, is just such a deep guy, and I think Kobe respected his journey. No. um I think he respected what he stood for um he's a family guy um he um he wouldn't let any adversity stand in the way of, of of what he wanted to accomplish and Kobe knew all that he saw all that he also found like a brother that he could really talk to and lean on who understood him and wasn't intimidated by him yeah. because you know Kobe. Could, have, could be intimidating. Um, you know, here's Karan, a veteran veteran player who comes to the team. Um, so it was kind of meeting on equal ground, you yeah. know. And um, I saw them many times talking just to the side or working out or whatever. Um, and it, it, it warmed my heart because I knew that there were very few people that Kobe let in that deep yeah. into his, his sanctum. And uh, Karan was definitely at the top of that list. No doubt about it. Again, a fascinating
1: figure. You have to read the book, but for right now, sit back, enjoy the conversation. It's Legends of Sport Friday with Tough Juice himself, Karam Butler.
2: So I want to welcome Karam Butler to the Legends of Sport podcast. So great to see you, CB. Looking good?
0: Hey, <laughs> likewise, brother. Good to be seen. <laughs> Thank you, Thanks
2: sir. Of course. Hey, so how's the family? How's everybody been doing through this? The craziest times we'll hopefully ever see in our lives again.
0: <laughs> I mean, everyone's good in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, be honest. Uh, it's been trying. It's been an uphill battle mm-hmm. because, you know, the, the optics of the world is, you know, clearly uncomfortable to talk about. But, you know, fortunately for us in our household, we always talked about those things. Mm-hmm. And my kids asked a lot of questions. Yep. the who, the what, and the why, and I'm excited just to see them evolve and develop as human beings in, in this time.
2: Mm-hmm, for sure. Well, CB, let's, let's get into it, man. we got a few things to talk about, but you know, I got your book, which I read for the second time last night. <laughs> I ran out of post-it notes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, it was, uh, it, it, you know, I, I just want to quote Mark Wahlberg on the back of this book where he says, um, He says, This is not a basketball book as much as it is a book about life, a life of transformation and redemption, right? And we, you know, we know that Mark Wahlberg loves your book, loves your story, optioned your story to make a film, right? So I want to find out how that's doing. Um, But, you know, everything you talk about in your book um, is so relevant today with what's going on. And um, I'm sure the conversations in your house, you know, are lively <laughs> and uh, extremely, extremely relevant. I mean, CB, after everything you've been through in your life, right? Um, and the firsthand experience you have with uh, policing in, in neighborhoods such as Racine, where you grew up, um, what can be done, man? What, what can happen now? What do we have to do as a country to come together on this issue?
0: Well, uh, I think first we have to be honest about the history of how we got here because mm-hmm. I think that's what's being lost and you know distorted in the midst of all of this. Mm-hmm. We have to tell the real history we have to talk about the uncomfortable real history of slavery. we have to talk about Jim Crow, old and new. we have to talk about the civil rights movement and talk about the economic gap. We have to talk about all those things and be you know real with, having call to actions and real solutions.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that once we're able to get there, that's when the needle will move, you know, with racism as, you know, as you see it visually, invisible racism, all those things can be tapped into. And then now you can just really have and and, and head down that path for real change. But until you get to that point, until you get where you don't only acknowledge black history in the month of February. Hmm. And you're not uh, addressing black history year round because black history is history. Uh, When you think about economic inclusion, one of the the major ways that America was built with all these private institutions from a capital standpoint was cotton. That was off the back of black people and we never got paid for it, you know? So I think that it's important that we talk about that and, um, you know, going forward and, and, and very important that we, continue to educate and inform our kids but what's different from all the movements that i've seen in the past and what i'm seeing right now in current time is that young people are super engaged and informed uh you see multiple generations out there on the front line you don't just see one generation Mm -hmm. you know 40 and up 35 and up with the baby boomers or something like that you see you know three or four generations out there marching uh on the front line and then this is the most important thing. You see it in 50 states and over 18 countries, but you see people from all walks of life being engaged, mm-hmm. not people that just look like me, mm-hmm. people that look like you, people that look like, you know, black, brown, in between, like everybody's engaged into this discussion and this conversation to make sure that we drive real change.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you say in your book that um – um conversations about white people weren't uh, pretty pretty welcome in your household growing up and that there was always talk about marching for this, marching for that. I mean, why is this, why is it so different now? I mean, I think you just answered the question, but, but, you know, in your um, Players' Tribune article, you you just said, man, quote, man, just say something like, just like now's the time, right?
0: It, it, it really is. It's, it's now isn't the time to say this doesn't apply to me or oh, I'm just uncomfortable I don't want to talk about it. No. You have to have an opinion in this time. Mm-hmm. We're in we're we we was in a doomsday. You know what I mean mm-hmm. with the pandemic and everything that happened and live entertainment was taken away from us. So people's eyes wasn't focused on anything. We saw what happened to, you know, the young king Emmett Till years ago where the woman came out and told her truth and said, "You know what?" He was so innocent. I am. I am sorry for what happened. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this is kind of the Emmett Till situation of our generation, you know. So it's just very important that you don't be politically correct in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I said you have to st- You have to say something. It's not saying that I don't like you if I stand on this side. I'm not. No. It's the. It's the right side of justice. Mm-hmm. The optics tell you if you're watching a movie and something happened bad. Did that guy kill that man? It's a yes or no. It's not, oh, he killed them because Mm -hmm. the buildup of the story or whatever the storyline was. No, this is a universal wrong across the board. It was abuse of power. And and, and we see more of that. And that's a bad thing. We talked about in America, uh, in the United States of America, every three seconds, there's a police encounter with someone black or brown in the United States of America Mm -hmm. every three seconds. Mm -hmm. That is a problem. And when you talk about defunding the police and all these different things, it's not saying that we don't need law enforcement because that that would be naive to ever think something like that. We need protection. We need patrol. Mm -hmm. But we need good law enforcement. We need people that understand the communities. We need people that are from these communities patrolling these communities so they know the pulse of the community and how these communities function and exist.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, you, you very eloquently talk about it in your book that uh, there was a detective, Detective Geller, who yeah. who could have changed your life one way or the other. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he decided to go the route of of not not booking you, not charging you for drug possession. And, um, you know, your life changed You know 180 degrees from that moment in time so the message of that is that uh there's good police out there i mean there it is it is possible and i think the message that you're bringing in your book is so um honestly it's very it's very uplifting it's very positive for for the young generation i believe to see where you came from right and how you were able to change your life and the people along the way and that's something i wanted also to talk about that you you, you. There's a couple of major themes in your book, and I know you, and I know, and I know your story. But um, the fact that there were, there were, there were mentors, there were people that were so instrumental in your life, starting with your mother and your grandmother, right? And of course, Detective Geller and your coaches, Coach Calhoun at UConn, and your coach at, at uh, the the uh, main um, prep school you went to, and of course, our great late friend Kobe Bryant. But um, when you speak to young people, like you did to my my stepdaughter's group, uh, the health science mentors group at the LA Correctional, um, you know, juvenile de- detention center, um, what's your message to young people about mentors, about not being afraid to speak speak out and ask for help?
0: I think it's important that you be authentic and you tell your truth, and you have someone that you can bounce ideas off that have a uh, 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 amazing observation of life
3: mm-hmm.
0: and mentors aren't always going to be famous people
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know mentors not going to always be you know people that you just you know hold up on this pedestal so like your mentor can be you know in your household your mentor mentor can be in your neighborhood you know there's so many stars and all stars when we see the pandemic happen and seeing people on the front line working and doing the things that they're doing and sacrificing their lives on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Those are heroes. Those are mentors. Those are people that that get it. You know, that has empathy and doesn't lack it. So, I think it's important that we highlight them in a time like this and the, these are the people sometime that, you know, when they have empathy in these moments, when they understand and have a broad perspective on life, these are people that you can bounce ideas off and get a real perspective on you know, all right, what should I do? And don't be, don't be, you know, pushing away and rejecting constructive criticism. Mm. I think that people immediately, when they don't hear what they want to hear, they pivot in the other direction. And, you know, I've learned that as a young man, it's like, you know, I was always asking questions. And then when I get, I didn't receive the answer that I wanted to hear, even though I remembered the answer that I heard. (laughs) I was just mad about that encounter. Yeah. But then as I got older and more mature, I appreciated those type of conversations with the answer I didn't want to hear because that was informing me. That was a moment mm-hmm. where I got better.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Yeah, I mean, I, I have mentors that I, I still call on 40 years into this crazy business that I'm in, you know. Um, who, who do you still reach out to? Who's there for Quran when, when you need to talk to somebody?
0: Well, you know, someone that, you know, you mentioned earlier in this set is, you know, our brother who's no longer here, uh, Kobe Bryant.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he was a manf- mentor. He was a confidant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was somebody that I would just shoot text and bounce ideas off all the time because we was in this march together. When you talk about our second acts and how we wanted to be great, mm-hmm. and he was already doing it. He was raising the bar and, you know, he was just, you know blazing the path for, you know, others like myself and others to continue to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raymond brothers, my, my, my longtime lifetime agent and lawyer. He's mm-hmm. been representing me for 20 years now. And he's just been a great friend. He's been someone that's always been authentic and honest. Uh, my grandparents, mm-hmm. uh, my mother, and, you know, numerous people just that have had some sweat equity and some fingerprints on shaping who I am today. Mm -hmm. It may vary. I may reach out to Coach Calhoun or Pat Mm -hmm. Riley, or I I may remember a conversation that I had with, you know, uh, anyone, you know, that I respect. Mm -hmm. And I may be like, hey, you know what? This seemed like an idea you may can help me with or give me some color or two. So that's important to have.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Coach Riley because, you know, I've, I've known Pat my whole career, and he was very instrumental in helping me, kind of um, get to the next level in my career you know if he didn't if he didn't allow me in his huddle I tell this story a lot but you know I I would never have had the confidence of, of kind of doing what I do you know which led to this long career but also you know being on the inside with Phil Jackson and with Kobe and with everybody else and with you all you guys right um, and I love the story in the book where you talk about how it, it was it was painful for coach Riley to have to trade you for Shaq. I mean that was just business but that he kept sending you notes on those blue note that blue note paper man I just that's a, just an amazing story it's so Riley-esque right there you know
0: <laughs> and, and you know what I read every every one of them yeah yeah those notes made me better and I, and I was looking forward to to still receiving those notes, I remember one time I came <laughs> to practice. Rudy T was our coach for the Lakers, yeah. and I was man, I gotta man, I, I'm waiting on Riley letter because he usually writes me like once every two weeks or something. And coach was like, "What? Like you you're <laughs> waiting on a letter from another coach to <laughs> you know to tell you what to do going forward out?" But he right. didn't understand the connection and the relationship.
3: Yeah,
0: of you know, Coach Riley and his players. Yeah. And he,
3: Yeah, it was
2: different. Oh, man. Hey, everyone. It's Andy Bernstein. I'm very excited to tell you all about my new online workshop called Beyond the Lens. Folks, I learned very early in my career that being a professional photographer was a 50-50 split. 50% photography, 50% business. It's even less now for me than it ever was. I spend maybe 10% of my time actually looking through a lens. I think this equation goes for everyone, not just photographers, but graphic designers, podcasters, entertainers, athletes, whatever, whatever the skill you have in your craft makes up a maximum of 50% of your success. The other 50% or more comes from how you conduct yourself as a professional within your field. This has always been relevant, but now I think it's more relevant than ever. The last couple of years have provided us with plenty of time to reconsider everything we want from our work. In the last few years, we've seen a huge rise in the number of people leaving traditional employment to start out on their own. So I created this workshop to help you make the most of your decision to build something for yourself in a difficult time, and also to help those of us already out here doing it to stay afloat with the rising competition this has caused. This course is focused. Five weeks, 12 video learning modules with five live interactive sessions.
1: All right, let's leave it there for now. An amazing conversation uh, with Tough Juice himself, Karam Butler. Uh, played with the Lakers for a season with Kobe Bryant. Played with the Clippers back when they uh, had uh, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. Uh, just one of my all-time favorite players. Uh, Players in, in in just a player who really went through a lot to get to where he did during his career. And again, as they mentioned, Kobe Bryant's favorite teammate. I mean, to think about that. When you talk about all the amazing teammates Kobe had, his favorite, he said, was Karan Butler. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, more Legends for Friday, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Esports Radio Network.
0: Everyone is invited, so get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clam with the
1: when we come around. Welcome back to the Rashmoor County Show, presented by the Sporting Tribunal on the Mighty Air 1090, ESPN Radio Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. It's Legends of Sport Friday with Andy Bernstein. Amazing first uh, segment with Tough Juice himself, Karam Butler. Again, we played just a snippet of these conversations. So, Andy, how can they not, not, not only listen to the entire thing but see your amazing
2: photography as well. Well, thanks, Arash. Yeah, the podcast as always can be found on our home base, which is iHeart, but also Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So it's Legends of Sport on any of the podcast platforms. Please also check out our YouTube channel, Legends of Sport, uh, as well as TikTok. And place to go for really like all Things Legends of Sport is our website, legendsofsport.net. You'll read uh, a blurb about this week's podcast, a long-form story about the guest, um, a link to all the podcasts we've had. You know, we're finishing up season six right now, Arash, with uh, around 200 episodes, which is pretty amazing. And my photography, best place to find that, it would be on on my Instagram, at adbphotoinc, which, of course, we have Instagram for Legends of Sport as well.
1: So you, you guys chatted in 2020, and we're up on the three-year mark of this. Again, you know, we, had, oh. we had a repeat of the conference finals. We had the, the Nuggets and the Lakers. Denver won this year, and we mm-hmm. had the Heat and the Celtics. When you look back at that time period, again, we'll probably talk about that more at the actual three-year mark. I mean, how surreal is it? And again, did you have flashbacks as you're watching Celtics, Heat, Nuggets, Lakers, same
2: conference finals? Um, a little bit, and it, it was a little surreal to like have those teams in it again and remember. Wow, the last time I saw these matchups in the conference finals, I was in the bubble with no people, um, separated, you know, <laughs> in zones and testing, and I was fifty-three days in the bubble. Um, you know, it's really interesting, Arash. The bottom line is, is that the quality of play in the bubble. Um, was not diminished because of the bubble. Uh, In fact, some people who were there, like myself, believed that the quality of play actually was elevated in the bubble because the guys didn't have, you know, I don't want to call it the rigors of travel, but they didn't have all the sort of peripheral stuff that they have to deal with on an everyday basis. Of course, the bubble itself brought its own issues. But um, teams bonded. Really yeah. strongly in the bubble. I mean, we saw that with Miami. We saw that with the Lakers. We saw it with Denver. You know, um, if you remember, you know, the, the Clippers are up three-one in the semifinals and uh, against Denver, and we were all salivating over a Clipper-Laker. Yeah. Conference final in the bubble, which has never happened. You know the Clippers have never even made the conference final. Yeah, so that didn't happen, unfortunately. That was disappointing. But Denver is a heck of a team, man. I just spent, yeah. uh, you know, a short a short run with them during the <laughs> four game sweep. Well, yeah. but they are. Um, it's going to be super interesting because these are two really quality. Um, architecturally put together teams. Yeah. Um, You know, one is built on Pat Riley's uh, incredible influence and, and grit. Um, I saw a stat today that Pat Riley has been associated with 29% of all NBA finals. That's crazy. I mean, player coach and executive. What an amazing. I know it's, it's nuts. Um. And then Denver, you know, have has this amazing star in in Jokic who oh. I don't, I didn't never gave him enough credit until I really saw him play consistently, like game after game. Oh. I didn't see him that much. And then Jamal Murray is amazing in there. I don't even want to call it their supporting cast, but the guys who surround them. They put together, like, the perfect pieces to yeah. complement these guys. And Jokic is just, as the Lakers saw, he, he's impossible. Absolutely oh impossible to cover. Um, I mean, he's making shots like <laughs> i you, you, you and I remember two or three during that Lakers series that oh, were just no. – you know, LeBron would just, like, look up or AD. Like, <laughs> and and even, Jokic, you guard that. Yeah. even Jokic could believe he made it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how they're going to counter him. I mean, Bam yeah. Adebayo is great. He's a good yeah. player. He's a good rim protector. But, man, uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting series. Of, you know, if one of those guys gets hot on either side, yeah, um, then, you know, one of the guys who are a little bit down – on the totem pole, it's going to be wacky. So it's going to be a fun series. I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's yeah. at least six. And, uh, I'm super happy for Denver. First of all, how, you Me know, too. Yeah. how can we not be happy? I have no skin in the game, no horse in this race. Yeah. My good friend, Garrett Elwood, who's been their longtime team photographer, but you know, for them 47 years or something and not making I, the finals as a franchise, is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It'll be fun. Um, all right, I'm very excited about this second segment. Uh, this is one of my favorite conversations that you've had. Tough juice himself. Without further ado, Koran Butler on Legends of Sport Friday.
2: So, Karan, let's talk about our dear friend, our departed friend. Um, the shock of, of him not being here, and Gigi, and everyone else who died that day. It's just, it you know, it's never going to go away um, for any of us. But. Um, You know, it amazes me really about your relationship. You guys only played together for one year, right? You're only teammates for one year. But yet Kobe talks about you um, as one of his four favorite teammates of all time, (laughs) which is, you know, that connection. And then um, he said, quote, I want to read this quote. He said, if I were going into battle, if I were going into a game where everything was on the line, I would want him, you, with me, (laughs) right? So Two guys from completely different upbringings, right? Um, how did that bond happen? When when did when did that happen in your relationship?
0: It's crazy because when 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 we got traded and Kobe actually signed the contract at the press conference, mm-hmm. and um, we arrived, and he immediately said, "It's time to black out. It's time to take it there." So I was just like, "What is a blackout? Like what is <laughs> what what does that mean?" And he was just like, be here at this time. We're going to start working out. Yeah. And he was already there, beat me early, like seven in the morning or something. Joe and the trainers, everybody there. And we just start working out relentlessly. Mm -hmm. We talk about lifting weights. We talk about getting shots up. Yeah. uh, The second workout consisted of after the practice consisted of, you know, uh, this game speed situations. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? And then I used to always play them one-on-one afterwards. I always just, hey, man, come on, man. Come back. Play one-on-one. Up to five. Up to seven. Up to 11. <laughs> up to 20. Whatever I could do to try to have the best shot to win. And, you know, never did either. Yeah. But Seriously, never game. you never beat yeah. him? Wow. I never beat him in one of those games. That's That was amazing. crazy. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> some way, I never beat him. One time, I had him, and he kind of tweaked his ankle a little bit, and we stopped. I was up three. Uh, <laughs> I needed one point, and he, yeah. he, it was over. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's always been one of those this unique situations, and I always understood that I was playing with one of the greatest players ever, one of the greatest basketball minds, just minds of, in general.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's how the relationship has started. You know, we was always with each other, away from the game, uh, where if we flew in the cities, we would spend time with each other, we'd watch film together, we go eat together, we'll mm-hmm. like it was just around the clock. And he said, I usually don't do this. Yes, I, yeah, I, right. Yeah, he told me. He was like, I don't he was like, bro, this is so it's like it's dope this to have a brother. Like that's that's what he used to always tell me. So
3: yeah.
0: And I felt it. I, I really felt it. And I really knew it was real because after the fact, he was like, Well y'all like where y'all going? Like you going with Kobe? I was like, Yeah, yeah, me and Kobe, they're <laughs> like everybody just started like that's 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 different
3: mm-hmm.
0: like mm-hmm. He, he usually doesn't do that and it was a special time and i'm so glad i had those moments because mm-hmm. a lot of times i just sit back and reflect on those moments and those conversations and um things that he would say to me and mm-hmm. when i accomplished, you know i feel like milestones you know in my second act he would always say what next cb
3: mm.
0: what next
2: yeah yeah Ooh. yeah that's right um Yeah. And I'm sure you guys bonded over having kids and daughters, especially, right. Uh, That was that. And his second act, that was like, you know, first scene of the second act. (laughs) That was, that was the most important thing to him. I know that for a fact as you do. Um, Yeah. But he was, he was, uh, you know, it's it's so interesting because I read that the piece that you wrote about um, going to the barbecue or the dinner at your mom's house, you (laughs) took the whole team and like, like you said, everyone was surprised that he came along and he was just one of the guys. Right. And he rarely did that. I mean, I was around him a lot for 20 years, you know, even with the Olympic team and it wasn't him just sort of sequestering himself. He just, you know, he liked his alone time, but there were very few people that he would let in quite frankly. Right.
0: That's real. Yeah. I'll never forget. We get, we get to Milwaukee, we land and I had, a, like, a party bus or whatever you know, <laughs> set up for the team. If anybody wanted to come, hey, come get your food, yeah. chill, eat. And uh, they was like, who all coming? So I was going down the list. I was like, coaches, y'all straight? And One of the coaches was like, hey, I come. Yeah, I'm, I'm hungry I come. <laughs> like, hey, you want to go? Everybody, you know, yeah. raising their hand, Chris Mills, everybody. And then I got in the back. It was like, I was like, Cole, you coming? He was like, for sure. Like, you know, I'm coming, like, for sure. And everybody was just like. Whoa, like Kobe's yeah. coming? I'm yeah. like, yeah, man, that's my dude. He came, and when he arrived there, cause I, I you know I called on the phone. I was like, yo, mom's uh she's just like let me know how many people coming. I was like, I think it's pretty much the whole team mm. and Kobe. She was like, What? Like, yeah, Kobe's coming.
2: You mean that Kobe? Like, the same Kobe?
0: She was like, Oh, and then when we got there, you yeah. know, it took us like twenty minutes to get to the house. Uh, from the hotel. Yeah. Like, it's it's a lot of people showed up.
3: You know? Just,
0: they bet. can't believe it. They like he's not coming. And yeah. when he got in the house, sat down, hey people was like, Kobe Bryant eat ribs. You eat <laughs> ribs. Like it was, did I he Did, he, did he
3: say
2: something after that? When he said something, yeah, and I pump gas too?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I pump my own gas too. Everybody was just laughing. I'm telling you, yeah. man, it was hilarious. Oh, right? I love it.
2: You know, Karan, I love talking about him like this because, I mean, quite frankly, the last six months, all the conversations really have been sad. I mean, they've just been about the tragedy and about that he's not here. And for, for us who knew him so well and um, – you know his legacy is about a lot of joy that he brought us right and as friends i mean and colleagues and um the conversations and yes the tragedy and and the void will always be there but uh like you said man i mean to have him in our lives for just that brief time um that's like two lifetimes for anybody else i think right
0: absolutely and i'm better from it yeah i always tell people Uh, there's like, you know, name a game, name this or name a Mm -hmm. moment when he was on the court and he hit a game with it. That was something that everybody saw. We know we saw that type of greatness, but I want to, I like to highlight and talk about the greatness as a human being and Mm -hmm. things that people did not see and moments that where I was down and I was, you know, rattled Mm -hmm. in confusion with, you know, dealing with uphill things about life and he hit a game winner for me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he came, and assisted in a major way and just gave me that, oh, this, you know, this is what it is mm-hmm. little bro Like, and, and, that, and, and that meant a lot. Yeah. Those
2: yeah. And then you, then you had to go to war against him. I mean, you know, you're on yeah. the opposing team. I remember when you were at the Clippers, man, you guys had some epic battles and uh, we're going to show some photos of that in this thing. But, um, <laughs> uh, would he talk some trash a little bit to you? <laughs>
0: I remember I, I posted this video yesterday. It's crazy you mentioned it. So I posted a video yesterday on Twitter. And people were just like, God, Kobe was cooking. Yeah. They had like 40-something, but the way he had the 40-something. You know, he was operating in that phone booth. Just, you know, his footwork <laughs> was impeccable. Right. And for people that don't know what a phone booth is, that's what Superman used to oh, change. Oh,
2: yeah, with. I know. Yeah. So,
0: so <laughs> he, was just, he was just dissecting us. And I remember I... I gave him a call or a text. I don't know which one it was, but it was one of. Uh, I texted, called him the day before, and I just said, "Uh, you know, L.A. Uh, belongs to the Clip, uh, Clippers now, Clip <laughs> City, Live City." And he was like, "Like, okay, <laughs> like, So he came out, and he was just. I said, "What the hell?" Did yeah, I do
2: that? you you poked the sleeping bear or something, as <laughs> they say, him. right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I got him going, man. He oh, was
2: so that's funny. Yeah, I actually remember that game. I really do. And you could see the uh, the Mamba at full full speed in that one, man. Um, yeah. CB, I want to talk about this Laker-Clipper thing because you're one of the few guys that I know well that played for both teams, right? And you played for both teams in an interesting way. I mean, you played for the Lakers when they were not that great, and you played for the Clippers when they were actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so... From your perspective, because there's going to be a lot of talk as we get deeper in the playoffs here about whose town is it, you know, and all that. And I don't want to get into that. But because we all know how many banners are up, you know, at Staples Center and who they belong to. But I love the Clippers, too. And I've been with them for, you know, 35 years. So I, I love the fact that they're good. And they're both good at the same time. But how how was that experience for you? You know, I mean, going to the other uh, locker room down the hall and all that stuff. I mean, was it... Was it weird, or how was it playing for both franchises?
0: Well, you have to understand, and, and you know, being out here, it's, it's the Lakers town, clearly. You know, when you talk about what's been created, the championships, the the, the players that have put on that uniform, mm-hmm. all-time all players, and just the history is so rich. You know, you cannot tell the story of the NBA and how it was, you know, just – the, the apex of the NBA and how it turned into the right direction without telling the story of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, it's many organizations that you can leave out when you tell that story mm-hmm. and that discussion, but the Lakers and the Celtics go right up to the front of that list. Mm-hmm. So now, getting past that, you know, this is a time now for the Clippers where it's, it's the first of many. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, I, I remember winning a Pacific Division title for the first time. And we hung a banner up. Mm-hmm. you know, that's a big deal mm-hmm. for us because it's just never been done in history, mm-hmm. franchise history. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to get a taste of what the Lakers been doing for, you know, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's start. But everyone has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I I think that, to answer your question, the Lakers was always, you know, like the big brother yeah. Of, you know, the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-hmm. But now you have an amazing talent pool that in in the coaching staff and up top, you know, and Jerry West and so many others.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you have a realistic shot in the window to win championships. Mm-hmm. You had it with Chris Paul and those guys, and you know, you fell a little short due to injuries and just bad timing of many things and coaching change. Mm-hmm. But this time, everything is in place, and you have a realistic shot at you know, creating something special and building the foundation going forward.
2: Yeah. I mean, you talk in your book about when you were with Washington and that you, you felt like you guys let it slip away that you had that, that nucleus and you had that, you know, whatever it took to like get to the next level. And then I kind of feel that way about, you know, the, that era of the Clippers that they, they were just almost there. But like you said, it's a couple of freak injuries that happened like back to back, a couple other things. Um, and it's a shame because, you know, it would have been great to see them kind of at least get to the conference finals, if not further at that point. Yeah.
0: Totally agree.
2: Yeah. So, Karan, um, I want to talk about um, your daughter, your daughter, Gia, and, and what's going on with her. I mean, I know she's right out front um, with the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, the JDRF, right? And yeah. she uh, was diagnosed. How old was she when she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes?
0: Seven years old, mm-hmm. March seventh, uh, last year she mm-hmm. got diagnosed.
2: Right, so you guys do a walk, and it's like it's a you know you're super involved with it. And I saw she's got an Instagram page now, right? Yeah. So what what can we what can we get out here on the podcast about how people can learn about it, get educated, get involved?
0: Uh, you go to JDRF.com and learn about juvenile diabetes and mm-hmm. just. I think it's super informed, uh, informing to educate yourself because a lot of people that have diabetes don't even know, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's type one or type two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with type two, people have to understand that it can be managed, you know, through your eating habits mm-hmm. and what you put into your temple. But with type one is totally different. And I want people to understand that she, she, she has, uh, her pancreas does not function. You know, she her body doesn't produce insulin. Mm. So she has to take insulin. She has to be monitored. And Gia can can have some of the best days mm-hmm. where she's a normal eight year old now. Where she's running around, she's doing all these things and having fun. And then she can have days where you're like, Oh my God, like we might have to go to ER, mm-hmm. like and be in the IC unit unit mm-hmm. for quite some time like we were before. So it's those type of things that's scary, but that is her lifestyle. And, you know, uh, it was a hurtful, hurtful time this two days ago when my daughter came and just like, I don't want I don't want diabetes no more. Mm. And I don't want to have this no more. And I. that's something that just won't go away. It's something that she's going to have for the rest of her life but she's been a warrior. She's been a trooper. All
1: right, that's all the time we have for this week's edition of Legends of Sport Friday, right here on the Arash Markazi Show. Tough Juice himself, Karam Butler, incredible story, incredible player. Uh, Again, if you you have not heard about his story, go pick up his book, uh, Tough Juice, T-U-F-F Juice. Uh, Just an amazing life story that I have no doubt will be made into a movie uh, one day. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe stay healthy.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.